All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Bible News Radio. As y'all know, I'm your sweet, lovable host, Stacey Lynn Harp here. Yeah, I am. And uh, hey, I want to thank you for joining me for hour two of Bible News Radio today. And this hour, what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk a little bit about church abuse. We're going to talk about hearing God right, appropriate response. And I have a really cool story I wanted to share with you about a little boy and who's nine years old, who has memorized so much of the Bible that it would make all of us feel embarrassed that we didn't memorize that much. <laughs> okay, I'm not, I'm try, I'm not trying to you know, make you feel bad, but this is, this is actually a feel-good story, so I uh, want to let you know about that. Do me a favor, if you are not yet on my email list, go over to our website, hearttug.org. That's with two T's, hearttug.org, because we're trying to tug, tug your heart towards the Lord by reading his word, go there, sign up for our our email. If you want to get text messages lists, if if you want to get on my text message list, I have two of them actually. Um, If you need help being accountable in your Bible reading, then join my text message list called Team Unstuck, right? So text the words Team Unstuck to the number 33222. And if you want to get text message alerts about the radio show, about about this show that you're watching, text Bible News to three three two two two. You'll get on those. You'll get on. You'll get a text message from me all the time. Uh, the Bible News one. You'll also get notified of our daily disciples Facebook reading group. Uh, and this is where we read the Bible. We actually read the Bible every single day, Monday through Sunday, Sunday through Saturday. And right now we're actually in the book of Exodus. It's the 26th book that we're reading of the Bible. It would be so cool to finish the whole Bible on Facebook. Then we could literally say we read the whole Bible on Facebook, (laughs) which uh, just saying is a great place to read the Bible on Facebook. Um, So get on those lists and um, and you can learn more about what we do there at hearttug.org because I want you involved. I want, I don't want you to be a, um, uh, uh, I was going to say a side chair, but that's not right. I don't want you to be an armchair Christian. I want you to be somebody that's in community, that is in Bible study. Um, and if you need some help, get some counseling. Okay. And so today's show is going to be this, this episode is going to really talk more about that counseling arm, uh, the mental health of people in the church um, and, and abuse, frankly, that happens in the church. And honestly, I don't even want to bring this story to you, but I'm going to because it's important and we need to look at it. But first, we're going to read Psalm 19, uh, and it begins this way. Psalm 19 says, The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their utterances to the end of the world. In them, he has placed a tent for the sun. Have you ever thought about that? The sun is in a tent, people. Anyway, which is as the bridegroom coming out of his chamber, it rejoices as a strong man to run his course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. I remember when I was first a believer, this next verse just touched me so much. I was such a baby believer. When I read this, I was just like, I love this verse. 
Psalm 19, 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. I was in high school when I read that. And I was like, you know what? That's awesome. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold. Yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them, your servant is warned in keeping them. There is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Acquit me of hidden faults. Also keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. Then I will be blameless and I shall be acquitted of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I'm going to try to memorize Psalm 19. That's 14 verses. That's 14. I can totally memorize that. 14 verses. All right. I've already memorized Psalm 119, the first five stanzas, which is 40 verses. (laughs) Psalm 19 is no big deal. All right. Speaking of that, speaking of that, um, Bible memory, Bible memorization. Okay. Let's talk about that just for a second. Um. How many of you do that? How many of you consciously take passages of the word of God and you, you memorize it? You don't have to raise your hand, but if you're live and you want to leave a comment, go for it. <laughs> um, most believers don't. Most believers don't read the Bible. Most believers actually don't memorize the Bible because they don't read it. Only 6% of Christians, that's 6 out of 100, actually hold a biblical worldview. That's sad, people. So if you go to your church, let's say you have 200 people at your church, 12 people in that church hold a biblical worldview, statistically speaking. Okay? So you think about who are those 12 people. They're easy to find, trust me, because you'll be, like, gravitating to them. Otherwise, it's, it's somebody who, you know, they don't, they don't read the Word, they don't study it, they don't memorize it. The reason I feel so compelled to tell you to memorize the word is because I believe with all of my heart that it could happen in our lifetime that our government could flip on a dime and we could be banned from reading the Bible. We could be banned from having the Bible. They're they're already doing it in other countries. They're already deleting the Bible app off phones, okay? I'm not a fear monger. I'm a realist, and I see often trends that other people don't see. It's just because of God's calling on my life. It's part of what I do. It's part of who I am. I think that if you're not hiding God's word in your heart and being wise and daily, I'm talking daily, meditating on God's word, then I want to encourage you to do so starting today. In fact, I'm going to be holding a Zoom webinar uh, probably in a couple of weeks. I'm not sure. I don't have the date yet. But I'm going to put up the date. But I'm going to teach you how to memorize God's Word. I'm going to show you some of the stuff I've used to help memorize Psalm 119, or at least part of it. I haven't memorized the whole thing yet, but I'm working on it. Um, and I'm middle-aged, just so you know. Uh, 
so I'm, I'm going to offer you some help. I'll have info um, later about that. Get on my email list and you'll be able to get access to that. Um, the older you are, the harder it is to memorize something. That's, that, that is true, right? I mean, I used to memorize a verse a day when I was first saved. And I mean, that's 30 verses a month. I, and, you know, many of those verses to this day, I still have them in my head. Because when I was 14 and I memorized them, boom, it stuck like glue. Well, I'm, I'm almost 53, which means I'm a lot older. I, it takes me longer to memorize stuff. Uh, but here's the thing. If you can memorize a song, you can memorize God's word. It's just a choice, and you have to make a conscious choice to do it. The thing is, is if you don't have the desire to do it, let me tell you right now, one of the things you need to put on your prayer list is the desire to have the desire to do it. Pure and simple. Ask God to give you the desire to memorize his word. He will increase your desire. I guarantee you. So I ran across this article completely um, accidental, actually. Um, but I thought, ooh, I'm going to read this. It's, it's from Argus Press, uh, which I'm not even sure what state that's, that is. And, but it says here, oh, it's Mississippi. Duh, Hello. Mississippi nine-year-old shows knack for Bible memorization. Listen to this. This is so, this is so cool. Uh, Asen, I'm going to guess that's how you say his name. White of Big Creek is a typical nine-year-old boy in many ways. He likes hunting and fishing, taking care of his animals, and spending time with his family. But in one way, White is rather unique. He has a knack for Bible memorization. There's a good chance White can recite more Bible verses from pure memory than most adults, and that's a good thing because in November, White will travel to Covington, Kentucky to compete in the primary divisions ages 7 to 10 of the National Bible Bee Championship, where top competitors are expected to learn a whopping 579 verses. Now, in case you don't know, the National Bible Bee has been going on for a long time, um, and um, it's it's fun to watch. And when you watch it as an adult, you're watching these people, these children, you know, you're like, ah, boy, I, ooh, I, you know. Anyway, 579 verses. Win or lose, Asen said he's ready for the big day. I would like to win, he said. I try my best, but the main goal everyone should have is to learn God's word and to make God known. That's win for me just to make it there. Asen's mother, Whitney, is his coach and main cheerleader. She said Asen first qualified for the competition two years ago when he was just seven years old. He was the youngest competitor and the only one from Mississippi. He was just learning to read. That year he was, he was an alternate. This year he ranked eighth out of 120 finalists in his age division. Whitney said the prep work, which began with an eight-week-long st summer study course, uh, summer study, involves far more than just rote memorization. They're not little bitty one-liners, she said. Some of the passages are 12 or 13 verses long, and they have to know cross-references and Greek root words. Isn't that cool, Randall? It's harder than anything I ever studied for in college. Asen compared the long session of study to a mountain climb. Every day it gets harder, he said. It's like climbing a big steep hill. You get to the top and you look up and there's another one. I can't imagine how hard it is for the junior and senior level. They've 
gotta be studying from morning till night. Whitney said, in addition to memorizing hundreds of verses, ASIN and other competitors will have to master a certain level of abstraction to be viable contenders for the big prize. Some of the questions are just random, she said. She cited an example from the study guide. Which word best describes Jude 1-3? A, remembrance. B, exhortation. C, benediction. Or D, command. Randall, do you know the answer to that one? I would say exhortation for sure. Right. That's what I would say too. She says, I mean, I have no idea myself. And she said, and he's nine. Asen said studying for competition is harder than his schoolwork, but he gets lots of breaks. At school, it's just nouns and adverbs and stuff, he said. But mama breaks it up into parts so I can still go swimming in the summer and I can hunt and fish in the winter. That's what I love about it. I, I love this. <laughs> I love this. I love this. I love this. This is so cool. Um, Whitney said she recognizes Asen's intelligence and wants to encourage his natural ability, but not at the expense of his normal childhood. Two thumbs up. He has a gift, she said, but there has to be a balance. I still want him to be a little boy. While he's happy to be a little boy, Asen is not afraid to step into adult roles when necessary. On several occasions, he has addressed adult groups as well as filled in from the pulpit at New Hope Baptist Church in Webster County, where his father, Matthew, is the minister. He said he's already thinking about his own future. Mm -hmm. yeah, I've always wanted to be an eye doctor when I grow up, he said. I'd also like to be a preacher. On the Sunday before he and his family head the, the competition in Kentucky, Asen will once again speak from his father's pulpit. He said he's already working on his remarks. I've already been thinking about what I'm going to say, he said. I'm thinking about how our country is falling apart. I'm praying God will open the eyes of our leaders like he opened Saul's eyes. I'm praying that they will turn back to God. It's advice just about everyone would do well to remember. Doesn't that warm your heart? I, you know, I'm tempted to call that church up and talk to that kid just to get him on the show and see how many of you would like to talk to this kid or have him on my show. I think, would that be great to put this little kid on our show? What did you think of that, Bareface? Um, <sighs> he knows the Bible better than us. Yeah, delightful. Yeah, 579 <laughs> verses, uh, the top contenders. I, I might know that many. Um, I memorized 70 this year so far. And, That's what I've memorized. You know, the, so seven, the, I've only got 70 of 500, whatever that he's done. I'm not like, as good as him. <laughs> like my barking bass and headphones with the electrical tape yeah. on there. Um, anyway, they're not bargain basement. They're just old and, you know, uh, anyway, um, yeah. It's just great. And I like that, you know, as I said, two thumbs up when you're reading that she's, you know, wants to balance. Yeah, he has his abilities, intelligence, recognize that, but not pushing him too hard. Want to be a little boy still. You know, I think of, you know, whether it's toddlers and tiaras or, you know, whatever. Some, you know, or the, the gymnast, you know, whatever. For instance, sometimes parents see an ability and just want to exploit it. You know, while they're young, to get them there so that when they hit adulthood, they're, you know, the cream of the crop and, you know, and, and you know, uncontested. You know, but at the, at the cost of, you know, sacrificing their childhood. And uh, really cool. And I'm, I like what he said there that, you know, the, the main thing is 
knowing God's word and making God known. That's that's the goal of doing this. And if he wins this competition, that's that's cool. But the whole reason he's memorizing is just to know God's word and to make God known. What better way to make God known than to know his word? I know there are some out there mm-hmm. uh, that will disagree with that. <laughs> say the Bible is not God's word and it's this whole experiential thing. But, Listen to last week's show. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, there's a book about God that contain the literal words of God, I sincerely believe, uh, because we've been through it, how God's divine fingerprints are all over it, how it's been divinely preserved for millennia, et cetera. That's a whole nother, you know, it's a whole nother show. But um, what better way to, you know, make someone known than be familiar with than the book about them? I mean, if there was, uh, if somebody wanted to know you and there was a book about you available, I mean, I could sit down for, you know, hours and tell them, you know, my 30 whatever experiences with you. 31 31 years or 30. Yeah. Yeah. Or I could say, hey, here's this book on Stacey Lynn, you know, so, you know, it'd be a lot more efficient to... Between you and Lisa, I think my whole life story would be told. (laughs) But anyway, I think, you know, I I think a book would be a lot more efficient. So if you want people to know God, you know, knowing his word is is not a bad thing. No. And I love that. And I'm kind of wondering, they have no cross references and Greek root words. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's amazing. And that's important, I think, especially when comes to the New Testament written in Koine Greek, uh, because there are variances in translations. And I was dealing with variants in translations uh, yesterday uh, when it comes to Hebrew and, and, and Psalm 41, I forget which verse. Anyway, that the, the translations are, I wouldn't say wildly different, but significantly different. And um, going back to the original language is important. Anyway, more than you wanted to know, but those are my thoughts. I'm glad you shared your thoughts. All right, now I'm going to share my thoughts. And um, I'm not sure. Mm. Well, let's see. Trying to think of a good way, good transition for this. Franklin Graham, Jay Seculo, Julie Royce, Nagme Amadini, I don't know how to say her other name, Pana, Panahi, or something like that. Anyway, Nagme, I'll just refer to her as Nagme. So many years ago, um, I had the blessing of writing and learning about Christian persecution. Uh, Not something I signed up for, literally. I mean, I ended up becoming the writer, the blog writer for the Voice of the Martyrs Persecution blog um, because a friend of mine decided, I guess it was close to 17 years ago now, um, that he wanted to see how you can further the work of a ministry through a blog. So way back in 2004, 2005, he came up with the idea for the persecution world, the ministry of persecuted church, to have a blog, and he he asked me to write it. 
uh, he asked me to do, to write the blog posts every day and to put them up there. And he pitched the idea to the voice of the martyrs, which is the largest ministry. It's a worldwide international ministry to the persecuted church. Um, I was not working directly with anyone at BOM. I was basically told, here's the blog info. You can log in and you can start updating the blog every single day. This is what we'll pay you, and that was it. I never actually, I was not an employee of BOM. I was a contract blogger, um, actually hired by an outside consulting firm who I was technically working for as that writer. Well, in the eight years, it was, it was just shy of eight years, I wrote this blog. I learned a lot about Christian persecution. Um, you know, it, it kind of became an, I became ex, an expert on it because I was writing about it every day. I was reading articles about it every day. I was trying to get people, I was trying to get the church awake about what the heck's going on here every day. Um, you know, you could say I have a master's level education in Christian persecution because I spent so much time absorbed in the different types, who's doing it, why they're doing it, and how do you reach out to the persecuted body of Christ? Well, I can tell you it was one of probably the most frustrating things I've ever done in my life, um, working on that topic. For many reasons, which I won't, don't need to get into at this point, but what I will say is that during my time being immersed in that world, uh, Pastor Saeed was one of the people that was brought to the forefront because he was taken as prisoner, um, and all of a sudden he was front page news of every uh, Christian ministry advocacy group out there. Everybody knew who the heck Pastor Saeed was. Pastor Saeed Abedini, we have to rescue him because he's being persecuted for Jesus. He's now in jail in Iran. And um, this is unjust, and we need to rescue him. We need to get him out. Well, his wife, Nagme Abedini, was the one who became the face of the, quote, Save Saeed program, the, 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 the cry, Save Saeed. And so what happens here? I'm just going to give you a little thumbnail. So what happens in the world of Christian advocacy is the following, okay? Uh, a ministry like the American Center for Law and Justice uh, will find a project to work on to put out in front of people. Okay, this is what they do. They'll find the they'll they'll find a a, a celebrity of the day or a cause celeb or whatever of the day. They'll in this particular time it was it was Pastor Said. Okay. Then what they do is they put out a petition and they flood it out there into the news wires and in the Christian news wires. There's literally ChristianNewsWire.com. Uh, they, they put out these press releases and they email their email list and they say, please give to the, our work because we're trying to release, we're trying to get Pastor Saeed, who's being, he's an American pastor, he's being treated unjustly in Iran, we're trying to get him saved, okay, we're trying to get him out. And they build their email list up um, and then they beg for donations. The minute you sign that petition, you're on their email list, they, they send you lots of money, uh, please, and beg you for money, Okay. That's how they fill their coffers. That's how every single advocacy group fills their coffers, by the way. Uh, they have a petition for you to sign. You sign it, then you're flooded with, give me money, please, okay? Now, look, I'd be the first to say every ministry needs money. We all need money. There's nothing wrong with making money. A laborer is worthy of the money he earns, right? No problemo there. Uh, 
However, how money is often used in ministries when they become big like this um, is it's not for the betterment of the church as a whole. It's because there's greed at the top and there's narcissistic bullies at the top. And I say that word narcissistic and the other word bullies uh, because I've seen it. Uh, I, <laughs> I, boy, I'll tell you, there are narcissistic leaders all over the Christian world. I could name 10 of them like that, but for the sake of this show, I'll, I'll spare you the names. But let's just say anybody who has any type of uh, leadership or their whatever, you know, they generally fall into that category. Um, and we've, we've seen the fallout of this. And I'm just going to say julieroys.com. Uh, if you don't know who Julie is, I love her. I think she's one of the most um, ethical, honest people in the world of Christian media. She used to have a show on Moody Radio. She exposed what was going on in the Moody world at Bible College. Lost her job for, quote, being a whistleblower. Um, which, you know, think about this here. You, you blow a whistle. What, what does a whistleblower do, right? They blow a whistle. They expose something evil, usually speaking. And then usually what happens, because of the cycle of abuse, they get persecuted as a result. Now, speaking as a therapist, you have, you know, uh, often you've heard the, 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 the phrase, victims get re-victimized, right? Okay. All right. So whistleblowers often get treated like, garbage uh they're made to be the victims again they're like oh they're the bad one how dare you you know don't you know that a love covers a multitude of sins you should not be you know exposing this uh now you're making me look bad you know i can't believe you made me look bad uh and then what happens is the the church cabal leadership wherever it is in these ministries they they protect the abuser and then they kick the victim and they basically say the hell with you. I don't give a crap. You just made us look bad. Okay. That is at the core of uh, narcissism rampant. And, you know, I, I, I recently heard of Dr. Romani over on YouTube. And if you don't know who this woman is, I just love this lady. She's pessimist by nature. She says this on her show, on her YouTube channel. Uh, but she is an expert on narcissistic abuse. And she covers this stuff like you wouldn't believe. She's got a couple of books. You, you need to go read them. I bought them. Um, she doesn't specifically deal with a, from a Christian perspective. But what I will tell you is she's probably one of the healthiest people I've listened to. Uh, you know, she was referred to me by my own therapist who actually listens to her and has learned about this topic. I was raised by a narcissist. Um, and I can tell you the emotional abuse, the crap that, that you deal with when you're in a situation where you're being emotionally abused, let alone physically and sexually abused. Um, it takes a lot of time to unravel that stuff. So Pastor Saeed was the, the cause of the day back then. And Nagme, his wife, um, became the public face of the Save Saeed um, thing, right? Franklin Graham got involved uh, from Samaritan's Purse and the American Center for Justice. They got involved. Okay, so right after, and, and I'm, I'm cutting out a lot of this because I don't want to 
you know, I want you all to go to Roy, to the julieroys.com and look at this yourself. What Julie did was she recently interviewed Nagme uh, about what happened. Now, and I can tell you because I was writing about her at this time on the persecution blog and Pastor Saeed was miraculously let out of jail, okay? When that happened, short time after that, Nagme came out and, and revealed in an email she sent to, I think, about 100 people that she had been abused by Saeed, she, that he was addicted to pornography, uh, that he tried to kill her numerous times, and so on. And she didn't really, she didn't, you know, she sent this email out to people that were trusted advisors. Well, a whole bunch of people leaked, or somebody, I don't know who it was, somebody leaked that email to the press, and it went out. And next thing you know, Nagme is being vilified and treated like crap behind the scenes by Franklin Graham and Jay Sekulow and others because she dared to make Saeed look bad, okay? Now, I will show, I will insert my own personal story here. I was 14 years old. I exposed my great uncle for molesting me, uh, and he was arrested, given 25 years in jail. My narcissistic, abusive mother required that I recant the story because she didn't want me to go to court and testify. Why? Because literally, she told me this, because it would make her look bad. Who gave a crap that I was abused for most of my childhood? But this guy, this villain, this sociopath uncle of mine, he would have been given 25 years, okay? I'm 53 almost. It's taken me decades to deal with the stuff that I went through, you know? And I, I'm going to tell you something. Nagme Abedini or Panahi, or however you say her, her last name. She is one courageous woman. No doubt has she suffered from post-traumatic stress herself. And the courage it takes to, to step out of that abusive system and protect her, ki her kids. Um, I, I, you know, I wrote a comment on Julie's blog this morning. She's like Esther. Esther, in the Old Testament, was a queen, and she went before the king... Well, she wasn't a queen. Was she a queen? Anyway, she risked, her, she risked her life, basically, to tell the truth. And she ultimately saved the Jews as a result. Here's the thing. When a survivor of abuse comes out at this level, and they risk their reputation because they don't want to die at the hands of their abuser, that is courage. That that is courage. Julie has a ton of courage as well. I'm going to tell you, Julie Royce has been called of God to expose the crap going on in the church. Uh, I don't. Ha I don't have it at that level. I'm just going to tell you what she does is is a high calling. But what I will tell you is Nagme was abused by Franklin Graham and Jay Sekulow, and. I'm not going to go into all the details because I want you to go to julieroys.com and I want you to listen to the podcast. She has two one-hour podcasts, okay? Uh, and the first hour, Nagme talks about the abuse that she went through. And, you know, I don't know about you, but if Randall decided all of a sudden beat me up and try to kill me and choke me and stuff, I, I'd be out. I'd be like, I'm out of here. But in her culture, that Iranian culture, women are treated like that. That's a normal thing. In fact, one of the things that she talks about is how in that culture, people, uh, women 
are, are the men's can abuse him. She said, oh, it's really common to hear women screaming in Iran all over the place. Why is that? I'll tell you why. Because they're under Sharia law, which believes that a beating the crap out of a woman and raping her and doing whatever the hell they want to her is perfectly fine. Well, as a Christian, that's not fine. And so she she didn't she didn't leave. She was she was what we would call trauma bonded as a result of this. Even even to the point you could see the trauma bond to her going public and trying to get this guy out of jail. Well, that's the first hour of that 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 interview. In the second hour, um, Nag um, Julie plays audio of Franklin Graham uh, in conversations that they had where he is basically, and I'm, I'm really condensing this, by the way, basically saying, hey, you know what, you need to get back with Saeed, you know, uh, you need to get in the counseling and, and all this other stuff. The man completely dismisses her abuse, completely. Interestingly, Nagme reached out to Anne Graham Lotz, Franklin's sister, and Anne, praise be to God, actually gave the right response and told Nagme that, that Franklin doesn't listen. I, I will tell you that it breaks my heart to see men like Franklin Graham and Jay Sekulow put on pedestals by the Christian community. It kills me inside. Because people lionize these leaders. And I'm going to tell you something. You cannot have that position of power without it going to your head unless, unless you're truly humble and really born again. I'm not saying either one of these men are not born again. I think that they are. I hope that they are. But how they treat women and the deal with abuse terrifies me. Especially when the cash cow of Saeed Abedini was right there in their things, hoping to make lots of money off that. You know what? Honestly, it's disgusting to me, right? And, you know, and Nagme's been been vilified. What's also disgusting to me is that there are well-known Christian female broadcasters on the Moody Radio Network who refuse to talk about it because they've been in the pocket with Franklin Graham and Jay Sekulow um, because... You know, that's their narcissists themselves. They don't want to talk about this type of stuff. It disgusts me to no end when I see stuff like this. But you know what I want to say is that Negme is a brave woman. And you know what she's doing? She's actually helping the underground church, the real underground church. Because here's the thing. I'm going to tell you something. And you can ignore me if you want, but I'm going to tell you this. If you're in a church and you're being abused the leadership, and they're covering that up, that is not a shepherd. A shepherd protects his people. A shepherd does not allow abuse of his people. A shepherd throws the wolf out. Okay? But if you have the thief that we talked about a couple weeks ago that comes to kill, steal, and destroy heading that flock, then you have people who are being devoured, and that wolf is running. I don't want to talk about this. Hey, we're out of there. You know what? So many of you in my audience, uh, I hear your stories. You tell me them. You know, I've been doing this for 17 years. I know who this, who you are. I mean, the ones of you who talk to me, 
You know, I know a lot of you are unchurched because of stuff like this. And nobody talks about it. Nobody talks about the rampant sexual abuse, the rampant emotional abuse, the rampant narcissistic abuse that comes through the church. And it makes me sick because it's huge. It's massively huge. And unless you've ever been impacted by it, and I have numerous times, um, you don't know the conflict that that can have and, and give you with your own walk with God. You know, so many people, uh, you know, will throw at you all, Christians are a bunch of hypocrites. Yeah, they are. Fake Christians are, in particular. I can honestly tell you, all the real Christian friends that I know are not hypocrites. They're not perfect, but they're not hypocrites. They're not walking around, you know, sleeping around with one another and, and doing crap that they shouldn't be doing. They're not hypocrites. The Christians I know, the real Christians I know, are not hypocrites. They're flawed human beings. They make normal mistakes. They'll come to you and ask for forgiveness. They'll, rec- they'll make restitution or uh, pursue reconciliation if they're really of God. If they're not, they don't. They don't care. They flee. They're cowards. And, you know, and so we have, not only do we have the enemy of our soul, Satan coming after us, but you know, he is alive and well in the church. You know, and I've said this before, but if you read the Gospel of Luke in particular, you'll see that a lot of the interaction between Jesus uh, and the demons happened literally in the synagogue, right? That's where the battle was. I mean, Jesus was casting out demons in the synagogue. He wasn't going somewhere else. He wasn't outside the synagogue. He was in the synagogue, and the demons were going, Hey, I know who you are. And Jesus was telling them to shut up. They are there in the midst of you, right? And so a, a good pastor will come alongside the victim and support the victim and get them help. Uh, and dare I say it takes a lot of courage in today's day and age to do that. Um, you know, if, if you look at the domestic violence circle uh, cycle of abuse, it's very similar to the narcissistic cycle of abuse. Um, and often what you'll see is you'll see the love bombing stage where people come in, they'll love bomb you. This is very common in cults, by the way, um, where, you know, hey, you know, we're so glad you're here. You know, here's this. Oh, let's get you into a community and, and we'll do this. We'll be your family and, and all that. And then often what they'll do is they will say, hey, you know, let's uh, tell me all your secrets, you know, so I know how to pray for you. Yeah, do that. And they don't really give a crap about praying for you. What they're doing is they're getting, they're digging up dirt on you so that they can hold it over your head in the future, right? And then when some type of conflict takes place after that, they begin to devalue you. If you don't submit to their authority in particular, they will uh, begin to talk about how you're the problem child, you're the one that uh, is the issue, and you need to submit or else, because the Bible says a wife should submit to her husband, and that's the way it is. And that's when you have all these people talking about how, um, you know, well, that's why the Bible oppresses women. And, you know, we don't want anything to do with women uh, and God-fearing people because the men abuse the women, and they say, submit, submit, submit. But then they never talk about the actual word of God, which talks about how the, the husband and the wife should submit one to another, because they're submitting both to God, right? So you deal with this topic of submission and all this other stuff. Well, 
then if the woman is abused and she's in that cycle of abuse, she'll go, you know what? I, you know what? I was wrong. I'm so sorry. I didn't submit. And um, she'll be all apologetic, go back, you know, and they'll get this reward thing. And then the abuser might, might say, oh, yeah, you're right. And, you know, I'm sorry, too. And, and then it's all made up and everything. And then, boom, the cycle happens again, over and over again. Um, the problem is, is that's unbiblical. There's nothing Christ-like about it. And Jesus came to protect women and to elevate women, aside from the fact that he died for everybody, including women, by the way. Um, And it's about stinking time, and I'm just going to rant slightly, and then Bareface can rant right after me here. Um, It bothers me to no end that that, that men, by and large, in the church today are lacking. They don't protect their women. They don't stand up for their families. Uh, many of them don't even provide for their families. Um, and that angers me. You know, one of the things Nagme actually talked about is how, um, you know, during this whole thing with Save Saeed and they were doing this, that it was primarily women who are the ones advocating out there online, signing the petitions, helping, donating, you know. And we know this from the Word of God, that women were the ones that primarily funded Jesus' ministry, right? This morning I was really... Um, as I was praying about this show and thinking about what to share, um, the, the woman who was caught in adultery came to my mind. You know, in, in the passage, and I'm going by memory, so if I get anything wrong, forgive me for that. But the point here is that two people were busted in the act of adultery. There was a man and a woman. And the Pharisees, the religious narcissistic abusers of the day in the church, wanted to kill the woman. Stoning was the cause of death then, right? If you did that, you were supposed to be stoned to death. By the way, that's still done in Iran, just so you know. And if you don't believe me, Google it. Because I can tell you, I wrote about it, where women are being stoned to death for, for, for frankly, crimes they didn't commit. Let's say they were set up for it. But anyway, in this case, Jesus had this woman, their shoes brought before Jesus, and you know, what happens? You remember what happens? What happens is that, you know, ultimately Jesus writes on the ground and all of a sudden, you know, the men leave. And the famous phrase, you know, he who is without sin casts the first stone. Well, everybody realized that they had some type of sin. That's why they left. But Jesus, who had no sin, who was standing there, and did he cast a stone at that woman? No, he didn't. You know what he said to her? Go and sin no more. And he said, where are your accusers? Woman, where are your accusers? Go and sin no more. And Jesus set her free. That is the God of the word of God, the Holy Bible. That is not uh, the, the ranting of people who like to represent God as this cosmic bully who's ready to crush you under his thumb because he doesn't love you. It's the exact opposite. Jesus loves you. And if you're a woman who's been abused, he especially loves you. And believe me, weeps and his anger will repay those who don't repent. And I pray and I hope that Franklin Graham and Jay Sekulow and other people of that ilk, I, I pray they repent from their absolutely 
unjustifiable way of treating this woman, as well as probably the countless others behind the scenes. I remember talking, and I'm gonna not, I'm not going to share names, but I remember talking years ago to another woman high up in ministry who worked for a high up man in ministry. You would all know his name if I said it. And um, she told me about, uh, and she called it this way, she, was, um, she said, there's a bruised reed club in, in that culture. Basically what she was talking about was the abuse from that male leader to her within that ministry that everybody looked up to and they thought we're all great. Oh, there's a bruised reed club. Oh, you're, you're part of the bruised reed club now, huh? So in other words, you've been bruised, but nobody talks about it. And I'll tell you what, it takes a heck of a lot of courage to reach out for help, to get help. And it takes a lot of courage to stay in counseling, to get the help that you need. It also takes a lot of courage to, um, to forgive when, when that is needed um, and to move on. And um, I, I will give you my word here on this show that, you know, you'll always have, uh, I'm, I'm a straight shooter. I, I've spent too many years of my life recovering from crap from other people that I can't be un- inauthentic, you know. And, it, and should the Lord ever bless us with enough money to do this ministry without having, you know, to work a couple other jobs, uh, you know, you can darn well know that the things that Randall and I are going to do is going to be out there protecting the sheep instead of beating the crap out of them. Randall. Yeah. Yeah, I can, um, I can imagine the, you know, the other side well, yeah, it was asking, you know, Franklin Graham reportedly, if you read the article, you listen to the the uh, interviews, is that he was advocating for marriage counseling. Yeah, that's well and good, but first things first. If someone has a drug problem, uh, which is contributing to, you know, a suffering marriage, you don't start with marriage counseling. You start with the drug problem get that dealt with because uh, that's that's the thing that's contributing the stress in the relationship uh, and the drug user has to acknowledge it's a problem get help for it um, similarly in, in this abusive situation I'll say this alleged abuse um, and oh, there's no alleged abuse Saeed um, actually admitted to it all right and but not initially though well, yeah, not surprising. Uh, but the uh, uh, Nagme's uh, hesitation to start with marriage counseling was, the, she said the abuse has to be dealt with first. He has to acknowledge it. By the way, Saeed was the one that filed for divorce ultimately, too. Yeah. So, well. um, yeah. Um, Anyway, um, and you're you're spot on. the the true well, there's the true shepherd with the capital S. You know, his sheep know his voice. Uh, but then there is the lowercase s shepherd responsible for the flock, who is responsible for the welfare of the flock, like you say, to protect, and not to protect, um, not to protect reputations. You know, but to actually protect people. And um, 
those, and, and it happens. It happens in ministry. It happens everywhere else. You know, people want to protect reputations above all else. That you know, this will make us look bad or make them look bad, and and yes, love covers a multitude of sins. We are not about our you know our mo shouldn't be to expose. Uh, deeds of darkness simply to to you know to ruin people or to right but the motive always ought to be for the protection of others and um you know this goes back looking at first corinthians chapter five with the with the man who was having uh relationships with his stepmother intimate relations with his stepmother now that was just between them right i mean they just you know how was that and uh they basically that was covered up or tolerated um i get the perception that that church was you know we're we're just so loving we're so accepting we tolerate this uh they were rebuked by the apostle paul for allowing that for tolerating that he said don't you know that a little leaven spoils a whole lump whereas it was where it was just those two people involved in their sinful uh, relationship the whole congregation was in danger uh, from that example and 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 Paul admonished them, exhorted them to put that person out of the congregation. They said, you know, when I told you not to keep company with, you know, drunkards, extortioners, etc., I didn't mean to go out of the world. You're going to find those people in the world. But anyone who names himself as a brother is any one of these things. Practicing habitual sin, um, unrepentantly, uh, they need to be disfellowship because that's a danger to the flock and uh, the true shepherd will put that person out not for their destruction of course paul said turn one such a one over the two over to satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit might be saved in the day that's of the Lord so Jesus. unloving that he said that uh, i know you're being facetious uh loving to both the perpetrator and the and the and the congregation there um, at Corinth, yeah, and uh, you know, but people hate conflict. People hate mm-hmm. conflict. It's 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 messy and it's and so you know. I don't like are, conflict. I don't either. But I mean, but there is a healthy way to deal with it, and maybe we're not always perfect in it. But at least the, you know the. And scripture gives us the healthy way to do deal with it. And the woman caught in adultery, that was not the healthy way. In a part of that, he is without sin. The other party to that, um, to that adultery, it takes two to tango, as they say. <laughs> a person doesn't commit adultery by themselves. It's not a solo act. Uh, where was the man and the law um, requires that you know, with the hand of two or three witnesses, everything is established, and those those witnesses must be the first to cast the stone, who are laying the charge, who are witnesses to the crime. Okay, well, 
one of the witnesses was the man with whom she was committing adultery and other witnesses to it. How do they know? I mean, did, how do you, how do you catch somebody in the act of adultery? Well, prob- probably setting her up. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. he was out in sin, let him cast the first stone. Well, it was to be the witnesses, that the two or three witnesses establishing charge is supposed to throw the first stone. But one of the witnesses was, was the one with whom she committed adultery, who was also subject to stoning. And the other witnesses were the ones that set her up. So he was out sin, cast the first stone. They were in no position. The witnesses were in no position to cast stones because this whole thing was a sinful setup, not just the woman. They were all party to it. And anyway, he didn't say, you know, it wasn't about anyone being pure and spotless. That if you you can only cast stones if you've never done any sin in your life, you know, never, you know, you're you're perfect like Jesus. Um, it's you know being a keeper of the law. He didn't come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And one of those was you know by the hand of two or three witnesses, everything established, and they shall be the first to cast the stones. And 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 they were in no position to do it all being party to the sin themselves. Back to you. Well, there you go. I mean, if you want to know a godly man, my husband is a godly man. Oh, It's true. You can put yourself back on the camera. Do I have to? No, you don't have to, but... Here I am, but we should start wrapping this up. But look at that handsome, hunky face. He's mine, just so you know. <laughs> But the reality is, is that, look, there are, uh, I'm going to, I'm just going to tell you, it is difficult to recover from abuse. Okay. It's hard. It's hard to not repeat patterns that were, you were raised with. Let's just say as an example, it's hard to learn new things if you were never taught those things. You know, my therapist recently told me something that I thought was just really good. She, you know, she complimented me and told me that, um, that I worked really hard and changed my legacy. I remember going into therapy when I first went in, my goal was I didn't want to repeat the patterns I saw my mother did, did do. That was my goal. But you know what? I told her yesterday, my therapist told her, I said, you know, I said, I didn't change my leg- legacy alone. You helped me. We did. We changed my legacy. You know, her work with me for decades helped change my legacy. It's not an overnight thing. Unfortunately, we want an overnight fix for people, right? Unfortunately, it, it, there is no overnight fix. But I can tell you it is possible to change. It's possible to get better. Uh, it's possible to be healed. And it's way easier with God in your life. So if you're somebody who's in that situation, you've never considered God and who he really is, let me just tell you one thing. I will tell you this. Read the Bible. Ask God to help you understand it, and you will get your answers. And then seek out people who read the Bible who are healthy. Those are easy to find because there's not many of them. (laughs) Reach out to me and Randall. We can help you. We'll get you in touch with people that could help you. Um, 
and just just know that God loves you. You know, read Psalm 139. It's one of my favorite psalms. It tells you how much God loves you, and um, it will really bring healing to you if you meditate on it and you 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 read it and memorize it. You know, because um, God does love you. I don't care what you've been through, what you've done. Jesus died for you. He rose from the dead. He conquered the grave. Um, and he loves you. And there's hope. There's always hope. Doesn't mean hope feels good all the time and our feelings can't control us. Believe me, I've learned that one. But there's always hope. And there's always healing. It just takes time. And that's what people don't want to invest. So with that said, I want to invite you again. Go over to hearttug.org. And check out what we offer there. Join my email list. If you need to get in touch with me or Randall for anything, let us know. Um, And if you want to donate to what we do, you can do it there too. Remember, our goal here is to reach the hearts of people one verse at a time. Of course, hopefully in context. (laughs) And uh, we'll be back. We'll be back soon next week. Uh, Share the show out if you don't mind. And, um, And thanks for joining us today. Have a good, have a good week.